This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, this is uh, Alabama being Alabama, of course. Uh, Alabama with the abortion laws, and let's get as conservative as we can. Now, here is a good one. Alabama lawmakers are uh, considering a bill. Actually, it already went uh, 10 to 1 in the House of Representatives in the Alab- in Alabama. Now it has to go uh, through the other house. And it would require public schools to start the day with a pledge of allegiance per law. And uh, the Republican, uh, Republican representative, uh, Nathaniel Ledbetter, said some kids don't even know the pledge because they don't regularly recite it. And... Here is the part where they think it's going to work, although it hasn't in similar situations. The bill requires school to conduct the pledge every morning. It does not force students to participate. Uh, Now, uh, this uh, same situation happened in prayer at school. Of course, that was overturned, and that mainly had to do with religion. Uh, and that is the separation uh, clause, the, the uh, or the separation of uh, uh, state and church. This is a little bit different. In those cases, the uh, school board or the school said, "Well, uh, someone when they stand up for prayer, and we do a prayer every day, uh, a student can elect not to." Because uh, we're going to make it voluntarily. Uh, voluntary. Of course, we can't force a student to engage in prayer, a uh, religious event. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's the uh, runaround is that student doesn't have to participate. Well, here's what the court said. The very act of a student not participating is stigmatizing. So it instantly makes a student different. And that in and of itself uh, separates this the student from other kids. And then, so the prayer was to- thrown out, and then there was a moment of silence. Silent prayer. That was tossed out. Why? Because of separation of church and state. Now you have the Pledge of Allegiance. And again, it would require the schools to start the day with a pledge. However, a student can opt out. That gets kind of interesting. We will see what the court has to say on that one. My guess is, well, Alabama is going to uphold all of it. Oh, it may not, not at, well, certainly at the court level, it's going to be upheld. But then again, we'll see what happens, the the appeals court. And uh, this is, by the way, this can go to federal court because this has to do with the constitutional right. This is a First Amendment issue. Let's take some phone calls. Hey, Paul, uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you, Bill. Yes, sir. Okay, so my mom is 84 years old. Uh, She went into the hospital for general weakness, dehydration. Um, Very hard to place an IV in her arm or hand due to her frailty. (laughs) So they they placed a pick line under her arm. Uh, She spent a week in the hospital with the pick line in. Any medications were inserted through that. She then was released to a convalescent home, a post-acute care facility. Um, They never removed that. So after about three days of being in there, it got infected. Her hand swole up extremely large. Um, And now they administered IV or uh, antibiotics to get the swelling down and get the infection away. 
but now she has loss of feeling in her. Okay, so so okay, finger. so there is uh, there is neurological damage. Yes. Okay, and well, it's, and it's, I'm assuming as far as we know. Uh, well, have you talked to a neurologist? Not as of yet. No. Okay, so uh, as far as we know, doesn't fly. Paul, you're not a doctor, and they didn't care less. Even a regular doctor is uh, an internist isn't going to fly. You're going to need a neurologist uh, that's okay. going to have to connect those two. And uh, it's, I mean, clearly from what you say, it looks like it was malpractice on its face. But you're right. going to have to connect that the infection came from the pick line, and it wouldn't have happened anyway. Uh, it may have happened in the hospital because they didn't. Maybe they didn't clean the pick line out as often as they should. I had a pick line uh, when I had a back thing, and it was. I mean, they were fanatic about cleaning it, and I had to go back to the hospital every week, and it was just insane. Uh, but maybe right. there was a problem there uh, at the rehab center. Three days. Uh, I have to tell you, three days between uh, the time that mine was cleaned, uh, I could have gotten an infection. It would have nothing to do with the hospital and or uh, it would have nothing to do with the rehab center because if I have to go week to week, let's say I go Tuesday to Tuesday and all of a sudden I get an infection on a Friday and I've been there for three days, uh, that could have happened any time. You don't necessarily have to, con- uh, to connect the two. You're going to have to get a neurologist that will connect it and then see how much uh, how much uh, loss of feeling it is. I think you're going to have a hard time doing this. But you can uh, talk to what by attorneys you can go to handle on the law.com and talk to a medical malpractice attorney and just see if there's anything there uh that's what i would do all right Uh, the problem is i don't think there's much there and uh when people call up go malpractice do you have a doctor that's willing to say it i don't know well how do you know there's malpractice and then this one's pretty clear well theoretically it's pretty clear you know they took the wrong leg off okay you don't need a doctor to say uh that they took the wrong leg off. You can see it. But short of that, they get really, really tricky. All right, Hector. Hi, Hector. Hello. My wife was leaving night class at a local college. She um, tripped on a poorly lit school parking structure, fell and broke her elbow, and now she's off for six weeks because she's an accountant. She can't type. I was just wondering if I could sue the school for pain, suffering, and time lost. Uh, it wouldn't be pain and suffering, but maybe it would. But time lost, yeah. Problem is, uh, to argue that it was poorly lit, had she parked there before? Yes. Okay, so, and how many times had she parked in uh, that parking structure? Uh, maybe like 10, 15 times. Okay, so here's the argument. She knew how poorly lit it was. Uh, she had been there before. Uh, what was different between this time and the other time, other than her maybe not paying attention? Uh, See, darn, you're right. Yeah, that's one right. defense. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where uh, if you're a klutz, you're a klutz. Now, if, it, if light bulbs had gone out and all of a sudden it was dark, that's a different animal. If there was oil that was on there and they didn't and they knew about it, see the problem is that's all. Oh, there was oil, there was water on there, but it had. But then the argument is it happened half an hour before. What are we going to be able to do about that? Which is why in supermarkets, uh, if you ever notice, and um, you have to go to the back room. So this goes back to the time when I was uh, a box boy, when I was a much younger man. But they have someone going up and down the aisles every half hour to make sure there's no banana peels on the ground, uh, to make sure that there isn't any slippery substance, and then they write it down. 
and it's every 30 minutes. So it can't be argued uh, that you knew about it. Well, we did everything we could. And if something fall, let's say a grate fall, falls off 10 seconds before you walk up. Whose fault is that? Are you going to sue the guy who picked up the bunch of grapes and were looking at it and waited on their little scale? And then it fell off and you walked across a squish grape, although that's not going to do much. Banana peel. All right. Anything slippery. Uh, well, the, the store should have known. Well, we're there every half hour anyway. What do you want us to do? Have people going up and down each aisle? And by the way, we have three aisles. And does that mean we have three people that have to go up and down? You, you, get, a po- you get a point where it's just you have to be reasonable, which is never the case with people that are suing. Because welcome to litigation land, the United States. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hello, Marshall. Yes, Marshall, you're up. Mr. Handel. Yes. I'm having an issue with the insurance company. Um, my daughter, the truck is in my name. My daughter has been driving it since she was 16. It's a 1965 GMC pickup. It's a nice truck. Got hit by a drunk driver two weeks ago today. Um, parked at her duplex. The insurance company, my insurance company, doesn't want to pay. They're saying she had to be 26, and the truck had to be undercover and locked up. Okay, what is um, it, that gets real easy. Read the policy. Right. That's right. all going to be under the terms of the policy. If the policy says it has to be covered and a driver has to be 26, uh, then you're out of luck, Marshall. And if it doesn't say that, uh, then you know what? They have to pay. Okay. What if she has been insured on it since she was 16? What do you mean? The, she's so, now 22. Right. So the, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they don't ask how old uh, drivers are usually. What uh, does the the fact that you let's say you have to be twenty six and she's been driving forever? That means you've just been wrong for six years. That you you effectively <laughs> had no insurance for six years. Read the, okay. po- read the policy and see what it says. It's just right there. Now I'd be surprised if it says the truck has to be covered. Uh, it has to be in a covered area and the drivers have to be all of twenty six. I haven't heard that. All well, you have to do is, it's classic yeah. antique concern. Then so. I have no idea. Then I have absolutely no idea. So just okay, read thanks. the policy. In the end, when I ask people, for example, read the document. Uh, no, I haven't. Have you read it yet? No. How, how do I answer phone calls? How do I give you legal advice when the advice is predicated on the language of the document? An insurance policy, a court order, uh, an agreement made between people. Hi, Lorraine. Hello, Bill Handel. Yes, ma'am. Hi. I, I know you don't have any time, but can I just tell you one thing that you did for me before I asked you my question that was amazing? No, but go ahead. I'll find. Okay. So I was involved. No, no, no. Go, no. Please, go ahead. I'm just kidding you. If you're going to tell me something no, wonderful no, about me, this, today is no self-esteem day, so I don't have a problem. Go ahead. This, this was the thing. This is not my question. Oh. I was involved in a car accident a few years back, and I was so upset because they were suing me. I thought I was going to lose all my kids' college money. I wasn't getting sleep. Uh, it was terrible. And I called you, and you basically just kind of said, 
99.999% of the time, they settle with the insurance lorraine, calm down and stop and go on with your life. And because you did that, I was able to do that. So I just wanted to thank you. Oh, and is that what happened or you lost your life savings? They they came within, of course, the policy limit. Oh, so, that's yeah, a shame. That's, I'd feel much better if you had been wiped out. Uh, but Thank you. Oh, that's quite all right. Now what can I do for you? <laughs> so um, my parents were involved in a car accident. They're in their 80s. And um, it was a non-injury accident, but a week later, my mom fell out of her car that she was driving in place of it. They have a truck. It was too high. She shouldn't have been driving it because her car was wrecked. She got a concussion. She's blind in one eye, and she has a cracked, um, fractured arm. And I'm just wondering, is that too far of a stretch? Yes. To say, oh, well. Yeah, it's, uh, what? What do they do wrong? They gave you a truck. They don't know she's blind in one eye. Did she say, no. I'm blind in <laughs> one eye? They didn't give her the truck. They were too cheap to go get a rent-a-car, and we wouldn't listen to me because they're from Scotland. So wait, wait, so wait, so wait a sec. So what did? You, what kind of car did she use? She is in a. It's just a Ford F one hundred and fifty. I know. The, and was that a rent? Was that a rental? No, they were too cheap. Even though the insurance. So where did she? Was, so where did she get the truck? It's their their own that truck. Okay, their own but truck, were, and she fell out. And where do you think the insurance company is at fault here? You want to explain that to me? Well, because uh, the doctor said it, she could have got something neurological or a concussion in the car accident, and I. It's ah, okay. Now that's different. Okay. However, yeah. you have to tie the car accident to her injury, and unfortunately, exactly. what you have is an intervening uh, activity or intervening act. So she gets in a car accident. She's fine. Gets out of a truck. Uh, how much later? What was the time span between accident? About- and- a couple of days. Well, you know, you can argue that. And how badly was she uh, banged up? She's blind in one eye now. It ruptured a nerve. The oh, wow. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Because uh, uh, when she fell, she became blind in one eye? Correct. Oh, okay. When, now, you, when you sustain impact uh, all right, directly. Fine. Now what? Now yeah. now the question becomes... Uh, and what, get the fractured arm as well. All right. Uh, yeah, it's worth talking to a PI attorney. I think really? that causation is going to be a problem because you have that intervening act. But uh, personal injury attorneys love blind people uh, because they're just... Uh, blind is good in the world yeah. of personal injury. They said burned and blind. Oh, that's good too. Uh, yeah. When uh, Did she lose a leg? No, but oh, that's un- that, Yeah, that's unfortunate. That would have been really good. Yeah. Yeah, uh it's worth calling a personal injury lawyer for okay, sure. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, go to the web go to the website, go to handleonthelaw.com. Thank you for letting me get sleep during the midst of my lawsuit. I really appreciate that very much. All right, you thank got you it. All right. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Okay. God, what a sycophant she is. Boy, you talk about kissing my butt. Uh You know, I get as much as I hate well, as much as I love harassing you and I'll never say thank you, I'll never say nothing nice to you. I, I the same thing going back. I don't want to hear from you either, all right? I hate you. I'm comfortable with you hating me. Good. We've just established our relationship. Using public Wi-Fi, even if it's password protected, is literally like walking around with a giant hole in your pocket. And instead of your wallet falling out, it's private information you're sending and receiving. Passwords, tax documents, your social security number. This is why... You need Norton Secure VPN. It's an easy-to-use virtual private network that encrypts all of your connections, even on public Wi-Fi, so you don't sweat it. 
and the information you send and receive is safe from cyber criminals who want to steal your private information or even from companies that want to track your browsing activities, app usage, or location. This is what Norton Secure VPN does. It protects your information. So enjoy the convenience of the connected world without worrying about online privacy or security. Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Protection starts at $3.33 a month. Terms apply. Norton.com slash VPN. That's Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law. I want to wake up. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, Kathy. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I have a uh, commercial building with partners, and I contracted with a air conditioning company out in the desert to install... Um, Evaporative coolers on two buildings and two ACs, total of uh, eight evaporative coolers. The contract stated that they would install the um, sheet metal pans that sit un- underneath the uh, coolers. Well, as it turned out, there was supposed to be uh, six on one building and uh, three on the other, and only three were replaced in total. So I'm wondering what my recourse all is. Right, wait, wait, okay, I'm a little confused. The contract calls for all of them to be replaced, correct? Uh, all, not all of them. Only, well, yes, all of all of them. All right, you're being be a, you're being a little equivocal on the contract because that's what's going to control this. Okay, did it right. say we'll replace uh, if necessary? Will it? Will we replace all of them? What What does the contract specifically say they're going to do? This, the contract specifically says they will replace six on one building and three on the other building. Okay, and they, they only replaced they only replaced three on one building instead of the six, and instead of three on the other building, they only replaced one. Okay, well that's easy. So uh, you have a contract that's in place. They didn't do their job. You call them up and you go, "Hey, I need you to do your job, or I'm going to sue you." And it'll be a small claims issue. You want to know how much it's going to cost for someone else to come in and do that job. Yeah, that's what I've done. I've got the proposal okay. ready. Good. I'm sending them a letter. I've emailed okay. them. So, However, the the guy's out of business. The oh. new fella will will not answer the phone. That's a problem. Uh, so now, if what do you mean he's out of business? Is a corporation dead? Is it a single individual? Yes. If it was a corporation that's dead, you have no place to go. Well, I was going to uh, attach the bond that he has. Okay, but I think the bond, once a corporation is gone, though, the bond is generally gone. If he still has, if he's. I did call the bond company and they said for me to send them a letter as soon as I possibly could. All right, so they're, so what they're, are they saying there is a bond still in place? Yes. Then that's where you go. Okay, now what if they don't do anything? Then you have, then you, then you have, then you have no place to go. What about small claims? Yeah, but you're going against someone who's out of business. And if it's a court, if it's a doesn't the the new guy uh, take a warranty? Depends on whether or not he bought the business. Yeah, he bought the business. You told me they're out. You told me they closed down the business. Well, he sold it to this other guy. Okay, so it's still an existing business, correct? 
Right. It was a okay. new license number. Well, hold on a minute. It's a new license number, which, okay, he has to have. Uh, you can argue that he's responsible. And if he just bought the assets, he's not responsible. If he bought the business in and of itself, yes, the li- liability goes with the business. And you can sue the new guy. Okay. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. There you Thank go. Thank you. All right. Well done. Well said. Oh, God. Agri- get grading. Wasn't, it? Wasn't she a little grading? If I'm the judge, I'm going to go, you know, yeah, you're going to lose only because uh, I don't like the tone of your voice. You know, it's just, uh, no, it's just a little bit Yenta-ish, don't you think? She sounded like a Yenta. Hello, John. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Uh, I have a problem with the medical board. I can't figure out how they could have such an irrational uh, response to a complaint. Um, I should tell you uh, what the complaint was. (laughs) Uh, My question is, this is supposed to be within the standard of care, and then well, every doctor would do the same thing. That's what they go by. But I, I was my care, the caregiver for my father. I took him to see his doctor because he was real weak and elderly and he couldn't walk. So I took him by a wheelchair because it was so close, just three blocks away, just around the corner. Well, um, at home here, he blacked out while he was sitting in his wheelchair. And I got him into bed real quick and he regained consciousness. But I didn't want that to happen because it's serious. Well, we went to the doctors and they told us, well, you just have to sit up because we don't have any beds. But after two hours, I was getting real worried about him. So I told them, I think I better take him home, get him back to bed. And I asked them if they could have the doctor come just three blocks away when he got off work to make sure he's okay. And maybe we could figure out how he could get into his office. Okay, that's his doctor, correct? Yeah, his primary doctor. Okay. And then... uh, they said they'd ask him and call me. So what? I waited in the afternoon. Nobody called. Doctor never showed up. The so next day I called them and they said, well, he doesn't make house calls. And that was it. They didn't ask his, his condition. Okay, but that, did they tell you to call 911? No, they didn't say anything. All right, well, it's quite often that a doctor doesn't make house calls. There's no obligation for a doctor to make a house call at no. all. But they would have been paid. I checked into it. And both insurers would have made... But they may have been paid, but there's no obligation for a doctor to make a house call. Yeah, but he does. He is supposed to provide medical care to his patient. That's I understand, but so therefore, uh, at okay, at what point should he make the uh, the house call? And I understand it was only three blocks away, but uh, two miles, five miles, uh, fifteen miles. What do you think is reasonable for a doctor who doesn't make phone call, house calls to make a house call? Where's the mileage that you think is reasonable? Well, I think it's reasonable is that he's supposed to make sure this patient is cared for. That's I'm not arguing that. I'm just, you're talking about the, you're talking about the house call issue. Yeah. Well, I only brought it up because it was so close. And the argu- and what you're saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, that he that he didn't make a uh, house call. Doctors don't. And so that's why God invented ambulances uh, to take them to the hospital. That's the way it works. Now your issue is that once you got there, did they send your dad home? Was that the problem? Oh, I was afraid of him passing out. So, and they didn't have any bed. They didn't say have any way. Okay, so you took so you took him him home. You took him home. So you made the medical decision to get him out of there because they didn't have any beds. How about they throw? I've been in a hospital where they didn't have any beds. They throw me on a gurney and they put me on in the uh, hallway. 
Yeah, but, but you were lying down, and also my dad blacked out. That's serious. I, he was well, uh, we, that's true, but you know, I, I'm glad you're making the decision or the determination of what illness he had and what the doctor should do. Uh, all you have is potentially a medical malpractice case. Certainly not the uh, the medical board. They're not going to touch that with a ten foot pole. I don't know why not. Because you're not a doctor, and this is not a question of uh, medical malpractice to the extent where they're going to take away his license. No, but they do have the the option of giving a deficiency report. Or yeah, but why? They so, won't do anything. Okay, so here's what you want to do is f- hire a lawyer to file against the medical board to issue a deficiency report. I'm going to give you the name of a lawyer. <laughs> Uh, it's probably going to be at least a $5,000 retainer. Yeah, it's going to be at least a ten dollars or $15,000 case. Uh, and what they're going to do is slap their wrist. Bad boy. Bad boy. That's what you're going to get. I know. I know. you got to eat it. But I think they're really neglectful. Maybe. Do maybe. And they could be. But it happens all the time when you have administrative agencies that are neglectful. What? You want to hold them to a standard that you want? Come well, on. I think this would apply to anybody, but... No, but you know, here's the question. You're playing doctor here. You're determining what the level of care should be. You're making the determination of what's reasonable. You're saying he should have made a house call. Well, you should make sure that uh, he had medical care. All right, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, I'm not going to go into uh, a debate. All right, I gave you the advice. That's another one. He comes into court with that one. My God, he's gone. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. We're simulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Hey, Christopher. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. So uh, we bought a car about two months ago from a, what we thought was a reputable dealership. And the finance guy screwed up and funded our loan through two separate financial institutions. And so my wife and I are on the hook for two loans for one vehicle. And we've been trying to get the dealership to well, take care of the one that we did not approve. Well, hang on a minute. Hold on a minute. Are you still paying the equivalent of the same thing you would have paid with dealership number one? Is it, uh, the, yes. is it the same payment, effectively, the same money? The same, the same money, yeah. Okay, so uh, what difference does it make? Do you think you're going to have it invalidated and therefore not have to pay the second, uh, the, the second bill or the, the second payment plan? Uh, correct. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You're not going to get free money. Well, they they, they funded it through two separate... I understand uh, they did. uh, I get it. But you still get the same... You're still making the same payment. No, 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 no. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, the full amount of the vehicle was funded through two different vehicles. I understand, but what you're saying is because we didn't okay the fact that they went through two companies, so let's say the car uh, payment is 400 bucks a month or $1,000 a month, and it's two companies, each of which get $500 a month. You want to invalidate the second one and only pay $500 a month for the car, right? No, no, we're paying a thousand dollars a month to two different. Uh, I know. So what do you? So what do you? Is a thousand dollars a month each, and you're doubling your payments? Correct. We're oh, paying twice oh. the amount of what the vehicle. Got it. Is you you yeah. didn't make that very clear. All right. Oh. So uh, yes, uh, if they then then the dealership is responsible, and but you signed right. it, but you signed the contract. 
Okay, so what happened was is we told them we wanted to go through USAA, and and uh, they said, okay, as a backup plan, we have to have something just in case. Understood. It go understood. Through. But you okay? So they and, put and, it. They and, put in as a backup plan and a contingency, and instead of putting that language in. Now you've put, they put you in two different loans, and so you're paying double for the car. Do I have that right? Correct. Okay. That is correct. You want to call the dealership up and say, you've got to straighten this out, and you're about to buy buy yourself a lawsuit for fraud. Right. And, and I've that's been working with them for about a month, and they haven't, they've been dragging their feet. Okay. Then what, you want to get, you want, you want any, si- any civil lawyer. You want a lawyer letter? Civil lawyer. Yep. And I think yeah. if you look at the contract itself, if any party sues, the prevailing party gets attorney's fees. Okay. Just look at the contract, and it'll say right in there, prevailing, it's a prevailing parties clause. And what you want to do is, I'm trying to think of who regulates car dealerships. Is it a major car dealership? Say that again? Is it a major car dealership? Is it Lexus uh, or yeah, Ford? Major. Yeah, Pitt. Chevrolet, uh, okay, yeah. it's so it's a Chevrolet dealership. Yeah. Okay. Then you call. Then what you do is you contact corporate Chevrolet, and you talk to the consumer division, and say that this dealership has defrauded you, and will not deal with us, and we're going to have to be taking this dealership to court. And here's the evidence. Right, here's okay. what they did, and here is why I think they're going to jump on it because stuff like that you lose your dealership. Right. They don't screw around. That's what you want to do is go to corporate. Okay. Lawyer letter to them. We're going to sue you and go to corporate. And believe me, that's going Got to be it. invalidated in about two seconds. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Hey, Trevor. Hello. Yes. Hello. I, I have a problem with the Sony TV that I bought. I bought it in August of last year. And, of course, and a month after the warranty for the from best buy was up that i couldn't return it uh it started going bad i I couldn't stay on any channel i go to channel four and it would turn up to channel 56 that's not what i programmed in so i called them up and they said well there's nothing we can do about it that's a sony problem so i called up sony and they said oh and they had me rescan and unplug and right. do all this stuff and turn around and jump up and down and that didn't do any good so they actually finally, had they, they said well that's... they actually had you jump up and down that must have been interesting it was it was i i was fully clothed though so it wasn't as much fun as you'd imagined i'll tell the jokes so, oh okay, okay. <laughs> and uh the, so Finally, my neighbor got on the phone and Best Buy said, okay, well, that's a bad TV. Sony can't do anything about it and we'll give you a new TV. So they brought me a new TV the very next day Best Buy did. That was really nice. They said, well, Sony's going to eat this. So once again, I've got a new TV and a month after the warranty is up from Best Buy. It happens again. Wow. So okay. I called up. Yeah. All so right. I called. I I called up Sony. The same thing, and this time they had to be uh, program it through the network or whatever it's called, the internet, and they did all kinds of stuff. And they said, "Well, that's a problem we've been having since last November." Okay. So just ask for a refund. Just ask for your money back. That's all. They, I did, and they said we can't do that. All right. Then you sue them. Then you sue them in small claims court. That's easy. Just sue well, Sony. No, because in the thing it says I can't sue them. I can't sue Sony. I can only take them to arbitration. Yeah, okay. Well, and so so big deal. Take them to arbitration. What's an arbitrator going to say? 
So big deal. So you take I, him to arbitration. Yeah, not the end of the world. Just like that, even yeah. though they 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 said, well, we're working on it. Yeah, and I don't care. What's an ar- nah, an arbitrator is going to give it to you uh, based on what you said. Jeez, that line is horrible. Based on what you said, uh, it doesn't really matter. Any uh, any arbitrator or judge is going to give it to you. I mean, a history of two TVs going south. Uh, yeah. Oh no. And we've had the same problem, and we're working on it. What do you think an arbitrator is going to say? Well, you got to suck it up. And uh, that's just the way it goes. That's assuming that's what happened. So I want to disclaim, as I always do, I have no idea if any of this is true. I've had Sony TVs. They're terrific TVs. I've never had a problem. But you never know. Someone could get a lemon. All right. Fair enough. All right. Consumer advocates are raising an alert about a Social Security imposter scam. And what these scammers do is they spoof your caller ID and make it look like uh, the Social Security Administration is calling. And then they warn you, like, eh, your Social Security number has been suspended because of suspicious activity or it's been used in the crime. By the way, last year, 76,000 complaints about these imposters were filed. That's just another way that cyber criminals can try to take what's yours. And it is just crazy where they're going to go and how they're going to steal your identity. So... Let me suggest uh, calling the folks at LifeLock. This is identity theft protection, serious protection. And if there's a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists uh, will work to fix it, which is why I've been a customer for so long. They end up alerting you whenever there's an identity issue. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction in every business, but LifeLock is protection. Uh, Join, get 10% off your first year by using promo code HANDLE. Uh, that's 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or go to lifelock.com and use the promo code HANDLE. Okay, this is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have no case. So I am going to detour a little bit here. I normally give you a story, but I get so many phone calls about small claims court that I have to spend just a minute or two telling you how it works. And this has to do with you present your facts, and I've told you this before, you do it as quickly and as succinctly as you can, otherwise the judge goes crazy. You know how long people spend with me going through their facts and I lose patience? Yeah, yeah, come on, come on. This isn't uh, gone with the wind. Let's do it. Judges are worse in small claims court because they're going through 50 cases a day. So rule number one is you bring your paperwork, your story in 30. This is an elevator pitch is what it is to the judge. And hopefully you can put the other person on the stand, although most judges don't even let you do that. Okay, so that's number one. You start going and going through the facts and spend some uh, a great deal of time. The judges, the eyes are going to roll and you probably lost your case. All right, that's number one. Number two, the other side has lied. Of course the other side has lied. That's the rule of small claims court. You have to lie. As a matter of fact, what will happen, you go in the courtroom, and there'll be, I don't know, 60 people in there, everybody having a case, 100 people in there, everybody having a case. And what the bailiffs do is they swear everybody in at the same time. Uh, they swear uh, everybody stands up who's going to be in the court and testify. Would you all please stand up? Raise your right hand. 
And uh, then they say, do you promise? And here's the difference. Usually it's you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. In small claims court, the bailiffs do it a little bit differently. They ask you to raise your right arm and say, do you promise to lie? Uh, Do nothing but lie. uh, So help you God. And then you have to promise to lie because both sides lie. And then the judge has to figure out uh, which which side is telling the truth. Be prepared for the judge pulling a Solomon's uh, baby act where he splits the damages right down the middle. Uh, be prepared for minimal damages uh, to be awarded unless it is so egregious where you can get a big chunk of money. And uh, the other thing in terms of small claims, it runs the gamut uh, all the way from a couple of thousand dollars and there's a jurisdiction or two where it's twenty or $25,000. That's serious stuff. And you can't have a lawyer in small claims court. And now we're talking about real preparation. And when the when when someone is asking for twenty grand, the judges let you actually do the work. So uh, here's the takeaway. You always lie. You always make it as succinct as you can. Bring the paperwork. Hopefully you've memorialized everything. And with all that said and done, you're probably going to lose. Let's take some phone calls. Hello, Hank. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. I yes, have a sir. question re- regarding real estate. And yes. I don't. Okay. Uh, I've got a, a, an ex friend who <clears throat> has moved on to a property of mine. And originally he was supposed to be growing uh, what he called microgreens for restaurants and things for salads and whatnot. And it turns out he's growing marijuana instead. Uh, now he's. He's stealing electricity. He, he somehow is wired around the meter, so he's taking vast amounts of electricity for the grow lights. Um, I'm I'm paying the water, which I don't want to do, but I want to get him out of there. And what I'm wondering is, since I don't have a lease or anything with him, and nothing in writing, uh, can I just call the police because I'm, oh, you can, I'm thinking you can, this is- you can call the police anyway. You know, the fact that you do or don't have a lease means nothing. Someone on your okay. property is committing a crime and uh, you uh, want that person out. So you're fine well, calling he, the cops. Okay, he claims it's not a crime on account of the, you know, the marijuana is now legal. In it the depends. State. You can grow up to six plants personal use. Okay, in, well, no, your, he, he, in your house, backyard, not even in the front yard. Okay. Um, well, this is in a, in a separate building. It's like, it's like a warehouse kind it doesn't of matter. It doesn't matter. If, you, if, it's, if it's your property, I'm assuming right? it's a lot more than six plants. Oh, it's hundreds. Okay, yeah, then, you, call, then you simply you yeah. call the police and say, this is what I think is happening. And it's it's not. Uh, it, I wouldn't be in trouble for no, having him no, doing stuff. Not at okay. all. Not at all. Because okay. you're the one. You've discovered there's an illegal activity going on in your home, and you are calling the police. Okay, it's not in the home. It's in this back. Doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're fine. Right. Call the cops. Okay. And when he says you knew all about it, Hank, and you were part of it, and you get arrested, that's fine too. Exactly. All right, Leslie. Hello, Leslie. Hi, Bill. I have a question for you about a trust. About a trust? Um, trust Yeah. Okay. A trust. um, My father-in-law recently died. My husband's the executor, and then there's two other siblings that are in the trust. Okay, that's he's a he's a he's a trustee, by the way, just to clear it up. Oh, okay, good. Um, Anyway, everything's pretty clear. Uh, The one problem we're having is the the house was left to three siblings outside Um, of the trust. 
it's within the trust. Okay, so uh, all right, so uh, pursuant to the uh, to the uh, direction of the trust, pursuant to uh, uh, that particular part of the trust, the house is to be sold and uh, left to three uh, three siblings. Correct. Right, and we have one sibling that wants to buy the house, and um, the issue we're having is it was appraised a little bit low, I felt, but um, it was appraised at one point two million. Um, and we just recently looked on Zillow, which you know is a is a whole different ball game, I know, but it's almost a million dollars different. I have a friend that's kind of a flipper, and she told me, you know. It's worth a lot more. It's a very desirable area. It's up in um, Mount Olympus. So um, I'm just wondering what would be the best way to figure out a fair price. That's you get a, you get an appraisal. Forget about Zillow. That's crazy. Zillow is all over the place. And your friend who's uh-huh. a real estate uh, person, uh, you need an you know that doesn't do anything. That's just her opinion. You need an mm-hmm. appraisal right there. And a matter of fact, I'd get two appraisals. So get another appraisal. Our first get, appraisal was one point two. That is an that was by an appraiser, right? A licensed appraiser, uh-huh. right? Do I have that right? right. Get another uh-huh. appraisal. Get another appraisal. Oh. And if it turns okay. out that it's close, uh, then there's no issue. You, you you average the two. For example, if one says one point two million and the other one comes in at one point three five, you're in the ballpark. And uh, is then, there any way to value the property tax that that person's inheriting at the nineteen seventy? Six no, no, absolutely not. That's you don't, you don't, no, you don't take property tax into account as to the value of the property. Okay. Because right, even, so even if the property is about. low, even if the property tax is low, it's going to be reassessed at the point that the property is transferred. I see. Okay. So, uh, yes, uh, because a friend of mine who is a real estate broker says it's worth a lot more than that. Gee, I wonder if there's going to be a listing involved there. Just guessing. This is Handle on the Law. From the bottom of your soul. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Oliver. Hello, Oliver. Hi, Bill. Yes. Hi. So my question is, my, my boss has a SEP IRA, and he contributed it contributed to it for last year just recently and he made the max contribution of 55,000 he I've, I'm an eligible employee or eligible participant at this point since I've been working for him since 2015 and he hasn't set up a step IRA for me or contributed to it so I don't know all right if, if he's contributing it to himself uh, and it's through work, and the eligible people are not getting it. He's in violation, clearly. Now there are, yeah. I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, and again, I'm not an accountant, so I think there are two levels. You can have management level, and you can have an employee level. But I think if you make it available uh, to the employees, if you make it available to the people who are involved in that company, you have to make it available to everybody. Right. So um, yeah, so I don't know uh, who you go to on that one. Um, I would uh, contact a workplace discrimination attorney just to see what's there. I don't know if there's much of a lawsuit, but if there is, uh, the attorney will tell you. So just to get that question answered, go to handleonthelaw.com. Go to my website. Okay. And just ask uh, one of the lawyers who does any kind of employment uh, law, 
as to where you sit on that. Uh, it's always good to go to uh, the website for a couple reasons. First of all, I know these lawyers. Second of all, I love when people have questions, uh, especially really dumb ones. Not that this was, but really dumb questions because I love to harass these lawyers. And I, hey, listen, if I have to be if the recipient of your dumb questions, I just want to pass that on. It's like pay forward. You know, it's like this kindness thing. Someone's kind to me. I have to be kind to someone else. Same thing happens. When I get an idiot phone call, I want to pass that on to one of my lawyers on handleonthelaw.com. All right, Rosalind. Hello, Rosalind. No way. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. How are you? Okay, so um, let me pull over. There we go. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Very well. Good, good. Awesome. Okay, so... I guess I'll just get to the question. What legal recourse do I have in regards to where I live? And that's the Laverne Woods Apartments. And apparently I just found out last Friday, my daughter sent me a link because I don't have, I don't really watch the news, that they've been breaking in. So, um, yeah. I mean, people, I was, be, wait, the people have been breaking into apartments in your building? The management. So I, wait, 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 wait. Management has been breaking in? Yes, sir. So I can give you an example. I was in my apartment late last year and uh, just, you know, getting ready in the bathroom and I heard the door open. I thought it was my daughter. I look, you know, at the front door and there's there's the apartment manager, one of them. And he was he looked shocked to see me. And I looked at him like, what what are you doing? And he said, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Somebody said there was an alarm going off. I was just checking. In the back of my head, I'm like, I heard nothing, dude. Okay. I heard that, but I didn't say that. And so he left. And uh, when I got the message Friday, I went through my stuff. And I don't have a lot. I'm not going to lie. But there's a little jewelry box that had heirlooms and a wedding ring of mine. And it's gone. Okay. So I did uh, call the detective. There's a uh, meeting, I guess, a uh, apartment meeting at the city hall. Uh, next Wednesday, I'm going to go and attend. But I just wonder what kind of legal recourse yeah. is there as a all right. That gets a little yeah, that gets a little tricky, and I'll tell you why. Uh, sure. First of all, you have the, the the manager coming in. He's going to say, "I heard an alarm." You're going to say, "I didn't hear anything." He goes, "Well, I heard an alarm, and I came in there, right. and that was the only time I came in there." He is going to say, and okay. uh, you are saying, "But." I had my jewelry box stolen or the jewelry in my box stolen. Without mm-hmm. absolute proof, you have a problem on your hands. And even okay. if there is a pattern of, is it this manager or is it the policy of the entire management company that they walk into people's apartments? You know, I don't know. I My understanding, it's just the understanding. I don't have it the lease in front of me, but 24-hour notices pretty much oh yeah no no no. i get that of course they have to give you notice but that's except if you have an emergency situation like an alarm going off then they have then they have a right to do that and again he's going to say oh i heard the alarm and you're going to go no you Mm -hmm. didn't well yes i did and so maybe he has uh tinnitus i have no idea where he hears things going on in his head Mm -hmm. um now (laughs) let's go back to the question is it yeah. this manager or is the policy of the entire management that they go into people's uh, apartments? Do you have any idea? That I do not know. All but right. can you, I share one more thing? Sure. Uh, one of the tenants got wise to it. They put a camera in their apartment and there's a video of him going in, uh, turning on the lights with a flashlight, walking through and rummaging through Okay, their same truck. guy. Same guy. Oh, okay. Well, and has he been arrested yet? Yes, he has. Okay. So now, uh, okay, so he's out of the picture. He's no longer working there. And now you're going to try to go after the apartment, the management company itself. 
I was just wondering. Yeah, no, no, I understand. It has to do, a lot of it has to do with what's going to happen at that meeting with the police department. My guess is that the management company is going to say, as soon as we were informed, uh, we fired him. That's number one. But number two, the most important one is a question of proof. Unless they have him on tape stealing stuff, and even Mm -hmm. if they do, it's that unit, not yours. Point. See, okay. that's the problem. So uh, I don't know what the management's company is going to do. You can ask for uh, some free rent. Uh, they may try to make some accommodation. Uh, what was the value mm-hmm. of uh, the jewelry that was stolen? Uh, you know, I would surmise like two grand. Okay, well, it's still money. And a, was a lot yeah. of it, uh, was it uh, sentimental stuff? More, yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I've never understood sentimental because I hate everybody. I've never liked my family. So uh, that's beyond my comprehension. You don't want me on a jury ever when you argue sentimental. All right, good luck to you. Using public Wi Fi is always a risk, even if it's password protected. The cyber criminals can simply pick up your information. So you think you're safe, and so out goes your information, so security numbers, uh, whatever. And this is why you need Norton Secure VPN. It's a virtual private network that encrypts all of your connections, even on public Wi-Fi. So the information you send out or receive is safe from cyber criminals who want to steal your information and, of course, then create credit, buy things. So... With Norton Secure VPN, either your laptop or any mobile device is protected. It encrypts your information. It blocks companies from tracking you online. Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Protection starts at $333 a month. Terms apply. That's Norton.com slash VPN. That is protection. Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law. Live and local. KFI AM 640. And iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Norman. Hello, Norman. Hello. Anyhow, so last August, my wife gets her third DUI. We hired the same attorney that we've used for the prior two. In November, December, and January, we received notices from the court. And I send them all to the attorney via email and text. My wife goes in, uh, in, in February to check in probation for the, for the prior violation. And they handcuff her and arrest her and take her into jail. And it turns out that the notices that I was sending to the attorney were for a probation violation and for a hearing. So it turns out afterwards that I get a notice from the bail bondsman that there were two, uh, there were two, um, whatever they're called, that they took her in. So I had to pay a thousand dollars for for two, um, yeah, okay. whatever that word is. Two arrests, two violations. To, for two um, warrants. Oh, okay, Sorry. got two it. Warrants. All right, that uh, that you ignored, and you could have gone into court and turned yourself in, or dealt with a clerk at any point, right? Right. The second warrant, however, was for a hearing that the attorney did not go to. Okay, so you didn't. So your wife didn't receive any notice whatsoever of those two warrants and the hearing uh, that she was supposed to well, go we, to. Well, we we received the first notice of violation, which I texted 
to the attorney, and the attorney looked at it and he said, that looks like a traffic ticket. I said, no, she's never had a traffic ticket. All right, so, so you're out $1,000. How long was so she I'm a, I'm at $1, How long was she right. in jail? She was just in jail for the day. Okay, so she spent a full day in jail. All right, well, you certainly have your $1,000 to go after the attorney. That's not a problem. Uh, now, uh, let's say you're going to go after for damages. What's a day in jail worth? Well, quite frankly, Bill, I don't really care about it. All I care about is the bill came due. I paid everything up until $1,000. Oh, yeah. And now, still, okay. and now he's still billing me. Oh, no, no, no. You turn around and go, you're done. I'm not paying you the $1,000 because look at what I had to pay. As a matter of fact, you send him a bill uh, for the $1,000 that it cost you. And at the same time, you turn him into the state bar for abandoning your wife. So I would file I, a complaint. So- I would file a com- I would do two things. Uh, small claims court for the $1,000 that it cost you. That you had to pay out of pocket because uh, because the two warrants, right? Uh, because the two warrants, which you could have taken care of, so that's starters. And the other thing is uh, uh, the state bar complaint. I would complain in a heartbeat for ignoring that uh, to an attorney. That's not representation. And uh, then the issue of a day in court. Uh, I, you can't go to small claims because there's a, no. I don't think a judge is going to give you any money for quote a day in court that's purely uh, you mean a day in jail yeah i'm sorry about that a day in jail is pretty speculative but you know what i would do i'd sue for the whole amount see if a judge is willing to buy any part of that you sue for ten thousand dollars here are your damages one thousand dollars for the amount of money that you had to pay uh the to the court uh the fine you had to pay or the bail money you had to put right. up the bail, the bail yeah. money yeah. and then nine thousand dollars for spending a day in jail we'll see if the judge gives it to you maybe the judge gives you two grand maybe the judge gives you five i don't know what they're going to give you now the attorney will turn around and appeal it and it'll go all over again it becomes a trial de novo it becomes a uh, a second trial in other words he has a second shot you don't <coughs> Mm-hmm. But the, he's not going to be able to prepare anything different. Usually in civil cases, when you lose a case, you see where the weaknesses of the other side is. What did I miss? So he didn't have that this, this evidence or the court really paid attention to that. So you can prepare it. I don't know how he's going to prepare for not showing up, especially when you there's the email, uh, there's all the mm-hmm. evidence, and uh, your wife's spending a day in jail. How does he prepare for that and arguing that's not a big deal? What's well, he actually, say to th- actually, go ahead. I'm sorry. Actually, he said when I told him my wife was in jail, he actually sent his associate uh, up here and told me that he was going to take responsibility for the five for five hundred of the thousand dollars, which he hasn't done. Well, he's just suing for the. It's a crock. It's a crock. Yeah. You show the abandonment. State bar complaint, sue for the sue for ten thousand, nine thousand of which is a day in jail. And this is your wife okay. suing, by the way. Your wife has to sue her. Right, now right, we'll see right, what a judge right, right. says. A judge may buy it. I'd give you five grand for it. Oh, that's okay. what I would do if okay. I were the judge. But then again, uh, the judge could argue that's too speculative. There's no way to ascertain the real value of a day in day, uh, jail. Pain and mm-hmm. suffering usually doesn't fly. Small claims court is all about uh, you owe me $1,000 because you said you'd pay it and you didn't pay it. Small claims court is about you uh, paying the $1,000 or not paying the $1,000. It's not about what is a day in jail worth. But I got to tell you, uh, your wife, um, did she come home a lesbian? Because <laughs> no, that, no, those that, are some, that's damage. That in the in the corner. Okay, got it. <laughs> and it didn't go to the bathroom. Okay, got it. Day. All right. Yeah.
Hey, Larry, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Uh, I've got uh, a Medicare uh, uh, dilemma. Um, I'm 66. Back uh, a while back when I turned 65, I had a really good job with a really excellent health care plan that I didn't think I was going to get laid off from. And I didn't bother to apply for Medicare back then. So now uh, I've been unemployed, haven't been able to find a new job with a good plan, and I need uh, to get back on the, you know, get on the Medicare. So I sent in my application May 1st, and uh, I've been unemployed for nine months. And apparently there's some sort of eight-month thing. So I got an email saying that uh, that I had to uh, – let's see, what was it? Oh, because there's going to be a penalty. If right. There is, or maybe even 20%. Yeah, there is a penalty. And, there is a penalty. And that they won't – they probably won't be able to even start my Medicare till next year, next July. Not this coming July, but July 2020. Is there anything I can do about it? Anybody will uh, fight for me. Well, here's the problem. That. I think that's that's the law. And they can do that. I certainly know about the penalty. I mean, that's in the statute. That's written in the statute. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to go to court and say well, that Congress has passed a statute and you want to fight it? And uh, you're going to fight the federal government, right, on that? And, yes. Yeah. Well, I, hope, the right lawyer. <laughs> I hope you have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this fight. Well, so, yeah, so Shane, because for a year and a half, I haven't cost the government anything. No, and I understand yeah. that, but I'm just telling you that's federal law. The way to do it is to go through your congressperson. And believe me, you're not alone. This has been this fight's been going on for a long time when they passed that 20% penalty. And I think the penalty has to do if you are not – if you've been insured the whole time and you go on Medicare, you don't pay the penalty. But you lost your medical insurance, Correct. Yes. Okay, why didn't you apply uh, immediately uh, for Medicare as soon as you lost your job? I thought I was going to get another one within a month or two. I've never, this is the longest stretch of my entire yeah, life. Yeah, no, I since, understand. Since I was so, a teenager. Yeah, I've, no, I've I understand employed. where you're going. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, you, you did it all wrong. Uh, so, yeah, I sure did. Yeah, you did. Uh, so as far as the next year is concerned, I don't know how that works, uh, but... Certainly the penalty, and I don't know what lawyer you're going to get to fight it because uh, you're not alone. I mean, you can do some research. You can Google uh, exactly that, 20% penalty, lawyers, uh, illegality, Medicare law. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it and try to find an attorney. But for the life of me, I mean, I don't know where to go on that, and it's uh, real unfortunate. But, you know, can I get a lawyer that will represent me and take this up to the Supreme Court and spend a million or $2 million in costs just so I get my Medicare, because there's not going to be any money paid at the end of it, what will happen is yeah. the court will simply order, uh, okay, Larry has to get his Medicare, and it's retroactive. And the and boom, down goes the gavel. Now what does a lawyer do? Well, But gee, I spent five years on this. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get a lawyer that's going to help you on this, for sure. This is Handle on the Law. In the city where the sun goes Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More simulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Diane. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I had a very, very... It, it drives me really crazy about you right now. 
I'm more in a deep neighbor about okay, uh, uh, having Diane, I'm having a very hard time understanding you. So speak a little bit more slowly, if you would. Yes, sir. I am uh, more in this new home. I bought this new home this year. Is that almost five year? Five year to this neighbor. But I, my, my company in Denver, in Chicago, I oh, I never home. The yeah. first time I moved you're, in, you're much, house, much clearer. Thank you. Yeah, my neighbor, he talked to my house, caught in the street. He come to me, he said, if you need remodel, I can do everything for your home. And I talked to him, I said, no, I don't want to deal with the neighbor. Very difficult to work out if something wrong. Right. I had someone to fit. Now, from that day, I just remodeled whole my, uh, my floor, wood floor, and I'm leaving town to Chicago. Okay, you remodeled About, it or did he remodel the floor? No, I I, I hired somebody. Oh, you hired someone else. Floor. Okay, and then you're off to Chicago, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I don't want to deal with him, but not done. I just do for the floor first. Then I had to go to work. Then he called me because I thought he's a good man because he caught in the street. He said, Tracy, I could die and I will, I will uh, uh, keep eye on your home because you never home. I gave him my phone number. And he called me about 3 a.m. in Chicago. He called me, said, your, your door open, your car garage open. I said, can you please close for me? Then another day he called again. Then I come back about a week, my water damaged for the whole floor. Some Somebody turned on the water for ah, the whole Someone floor. turned on the water and destroyed your floor. Okay, yeah, what's your, my, so what's your question? Thought, what's your question, Diane? My question is, from that day, I don't hide him. And that's the, the, ah, the first I see. year. So you think he's been four years, yeah, and you, he keep park, he keep park his car in my driveway. Oh, he parks your car. Okay. Well, first of all, you can have the car <laughs> towed away. All right, Diane. First of all, you can have the car towed away. His car in your driveway. All right. That's. I think I understood part of that. Second of all, you want to uh, blame him for turning the water on and destroying your floor. Correct. No, I can't blame them because I don't have a camera. I don't have anything. Okay, so what's, so what's your question, Diane? What can I answer? My question right now, I put the whole bin, the camera about uh, a couple of weeks ago. I Before I'm leaving town, I put the whole camera at the okay. house. Okay, and? Now camera kept him parked in my driveway. But if I don't know what I'm doing, I don't want to call the tow car. Then Why not? Do something evil with me, more big problem. Okay. Uh, and that's why I don't want to call and call the yeah. car. But I want by the way, when you the when, by the way, I'm assuming face. when you travel, you give English lessons. You're an English professor, right? No, probably not. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I don't uh, quite unless you call uh, the towing company to tow away a guy who has his car in your driveway. What now? What? What do you want me to say? What would you I'm like? What would you like from me? I I like to. You can help me. How? What, what do you want me to do? I can. What kind of legal I can do? There is no legal. Paper? What are you going to do? You're not going to have his car towed away. You're going to leave it in the driveway. And let's say uh, anybody you call a lawyer, he's going to go get the car out of there. Call the towing company. What do you want to do, Diane? What kind of advice do you want from me? What What do you want me to tell you? I I don't know what you do. That's what I'm saying. Get so the car out of there. Call and, and you a tow. Using me, you keep. To park the car in my driveway. Okay. But it's not all the way. And he asked me one time, I said, okay. why Diane, you Diane, Diane, get I the car. All right, I'm done. I didn't understand three quarters of it. She won't get the car towed away. She doesn't know what to do. She starts crying. What do you do with that? I mean, uh, it, 
I, I don't even understand what she said. Hello, Chris. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Bill. Thank you. Yes, sir. Excuse me. I have a question about um, class action lawsuits. Um, what's the benefit of of getting your own attorney? You know the risk versus the the payout. And well, the payout. Well, yeah, the payout in class action lawsuits are virtually non-existent. Uh, the lawyers make all the money. Uh, do you have anything in particular you're asking about? Do you have an issue, or is this just a hypothetical? No, it's for my mom. Um, she recently um, it told me that she got um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma from taking a bath in some weed killer. And I know it's in the news. And she hasn't pursued it because she said it was her fault. Does she have cancer? Yes. Okay. And she took a bath in this stuff. Yeah, it, it had a lot of pressure and blew up on her. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, did she physically take a bath? Is that did she pour it no, into the bathtub? Well, she did. Af- she did afterwards. After it was all, she was covered in it. She took a bath. But yes, it basically the pressure came out of the bottle and drenched her. Okay, there you don't do a cl- you don't do a class action on that one. I think you do an individual, and you want to go to okay. the, you go you go to the lawyers that have done these lawsuits and have all of the backup information. They have it all. I mean, they know okay. the whole history of Roundup. They know the manufacturing process. They know the testing. And so you just get to find out who these lawyers are. And there are dozens of them. So that's oh, I imagine. Be, yeah, so that I'd go personally, I'd go with an individual. But uh, they'll tell you if there's a class action or not. And they're the ones that will give you the information. Yeah, usually class actions are not the way to go. The people that make the money are the lawyers. They're always the success story when it comes to the class action suit. Usually plaintiffs get virtually nothing, pennies, some dollars, but you're not talking about any major massive amount of money. There is no limit to the scams that are out there to grab your money or identity. All right, here's the latest one. Social security imposter scams. So uh, your caller ID gets spoofed. And they make it look like uh, the Social Security Administration is calling. That's a scam right there. And they warn you that your number has been suspended because of suspicious activity or it's been used in a crime. And you have to help them out and give them the information. Wrong. Last year, people filed more than 76,000 complaints about these imposters. So many ways in which these uh, criminals uh, take what's yours, your identity, uh, credit. I mean, all of it. So, uh, LifeLock. That's where I suggest you go. I've been a customer for a very long time. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number being put up for sale. And if there's a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. No one can prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But LifeLock, there's protection. Go, uh, join, get 10% off your first year by using the promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or go to lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, it isn't often I actually get a case or talk about a case that's right up my specialty, reproductive law. But 
Uh, this one, and I, I've talked about this when I was teaching law school, we talked about this and said this has to happen. All right. So you have, uh, this is up in Concord, California. The parents of a 21-year-old West Point cadet who was fatally injured in a skiing accident can use his frozen sperm to produce a child. And this, of course, is via a surrogate mother. Uh, the Supreme Court Justice John Caligangelos, uh, yeah, I'll figure that out. His ruling gives Peter Zhu's parents the ability to attempt conscious conception with a surrogate mother using the son's, the dead son's sperm. And that's what the justice wrote. Now, originally, his parents received court permission to have the sperm retrieved and frozen. At the same time, he underwent organ donation surgery, but the judge had not ruled, the court had not ruled whether that sperm can be defrosted, obviously, and then used to fertilize an egg with a donor egg and then put into a surrogate mother. The judge said he found no restrictions in state or federal law, although there's very little case law on it. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Because why? Well, because the sperm is property, becomes simply property that uh, goes to the parents or goes to a wife, and it's not a living tissue, and so therefore the parents are able to retrieve it, store it, and then use it uh, to uh, create a child via a surrogate mother. And uh, what the justice said, and this is very important, there were no restrictions in state or federal law. That was the deciding factor here. And incidentally, uh, we talked about cases like this 30 years ago. And I've known of cases uh, with a doctor or two that I have been involved with where this exactly happened. Not so much the uh, implanting of or the fertilizing of an egg with a frozen sperm of a dead person, but certainly the retrieving and freezing of that sperm. Uh, let's take some phone calls. Uh, is that Padma? Yes, Bill. Okay, yeah. yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Okay, so my daughter got married uh, in the end of February. All right, I did not hear or understand one word that you just said. Let's try again. Let's try with diction. Let's do it slowly. I understand you're in a car, so we've got uh, you know a, a, an issue here. So, Padma, here's what I want you to do. Talk to me very slowly, very carefully, Okay. Sure. My daughter got married end of February this year. Better. Yeah. We had two events for the wedding Friday night. Okay, wait, wait. Two, wait a sec. Two events? Yes. Okay. Two functions. Got it. Two functions Friday night. Got that. Friday night, one function. Saturday night is the wedding. Okay. Was the wedding. Sorry, Saturday afternoon was the wedding. So... Friday night, all the event went well with the decoration. Saturday, during the wedding, the stage fell. Oh! Oh, the stage fell? Yes. Oh, boy, there's entertainment. Was anybody hurt? No one was hurt. Luckily, it fell the other way. Okay. But no one one was hurt. Okay. However, however, it's the trauma it's like why did this happen yeah i know i know did the, by the way padma did the marriage go uh did the marriage go on anyway yes okay yes. and was it being videoed uh yes okay so you have on the video the stage collapsing 
in fact the decorator actually sent an apology uh, whatsapp message yeah yeah that's that's fine I, I i'm just trying to figure out uh, that whether yeah. she apologizes or not it's going to be the same liability but here's my question and that is was this videoed Yes. Oh, so you have, is it up on the internet? Do you have it on Facebook? Do you have it on YouTube? So I can see it, so we can all see it. It's going to go viral. That's a great video. No. Oh, no, come on. What are you doing? Because you're not going to have much of a case. So you might as well enjoy okay. it. All right. So how much did you, how much did you pay for uh, this wedding, Padma? The, the total was closer to eleven thousand dollars. Okay, no, I'm just talking about I'm just talking about Saturday night. I don't care about uh, Friday. Five thousand. Five thousand dollars, and the stage collapsed. All right, and no one was hurt. Was it after the marriage, or was it the poor, before the actual ceremony? During the mm. ceremony. That's even better. That's good. All right. So here's the argument, Padma. Uh, because no one was hurt, that doesn't help. And I would actually argue the other way. If I were the decorator, I would charge you more for the entertainment value of the stage collapsing. Because if you're going to argue the emotional stress, come on. You know, you're getting married. It's uh, you know, what kind of emotional distress. What? Their lives are ruined. Your life is ruined. I mean, seriously, Hello? as much fun as I'm having, Padma, where is the emotional distress involved? And it's, a, it's a fun, hilarious story that they'll be talking about for the rest of their lives. They'll be showing that video to everybody. The kids will be uh, handing that video out. It's my daughter's wedding. I understand where, where the stage collapsed. I get it. The stage collapsed at your daughter's wedding. That wedding. I think that's hilarious. No one was hurt. Uh, you know what I would do? I would ask uh, who, which company supplied the stage. Uh, it's because I can get the company's name. I know. No, no. How much money did you pay for the stage? Five thousand. Oh, for just the stage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you'll get that money back. Oh, Padma, you'll get that money back. You just ask them to refund the money. Oh, yeah, yeah, refund the money, absolutely. Yeah. They'll give it back to you. Uh, and But that's that's your damage, I think. Uh, you know, you can argue emotional damage. Are you seeing a psychologist, for example, Padma? No, no, no. I don't even want the money. I want this lady to be punished, and I don't want uh, any What does that mean? Wait, wait a sec. First of all, this lady to be punished? Does she own the business? Is she the stage person? Yeah, she she's the one who took the responsibility. I understand, but wait a sec. I know, but how is she going to know the stage is going to collapse? How, why she is she? She put up the decorate. She put up the stage, right? Okay. Did she? Stage. Was it her team that physically yes. put up the stage? Yes. Yes. Got it. Yes. Go yes. for five thousand yes. dollars. She's not going to be punished. It was a mistake. Okay. So you know what she said. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I put the the bolts on wrong. I put them on uh, inside out, or I didn't connect two of the uh, cross pieces. I mean, what do you want her to do? Yeah. You want her to go to jail, Padma? I don't want any person to go. I want her to be responsible and do a better job. Okay, then you, great. So he writes you a check for $5,000. There's a lesson. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no designer uh, stagecraft uh, license that you get. Uh, no, none of that. Uh, and by the way, I think it's hilarious. I think that's genuinely hilarious. Who is not going to watch that video? You ever seen wedding videos? You want to blow your brains out. They're so boring. The only people that care is uh, the couple and the parents, maybe. In the meantime, oh, let me show you our wedding video. No, don't do that to me. That's emotional damage when you show me your wedding video. However, your wedding video where the stage collapses, 
That's a video I want to see. All right, uh, Mary. Yes, Mary, you're up. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. My car was rear-ended. Ah. The statute of limitations up this June 19th. Can I get an extension on this day? Nope. 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 You have to file the lawsuit by the time uh, the statute is up. There are some very small ex- uh exemptions but you don't military for example uh which i'm assuming you're not then it can toll the statute but for the most part no no you've got you have to uh you have to file that lawsuit there's no question about that uh this is handle on the law This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Uh, hi, Carrie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Hey, I have, I have a quick question. I recently renewed my California driver's license, and I just did it for the regular license. I did not do the whole, you got to have it by 20 20 thing. Right, right. The real oh, license they want. Right. So I, in mine says federal re- restrictions apply. Right. Does that, I realize that means I can't fly. Does that mean I can't cross state lines? Oh, no, no. It only has to do with flying. Nothing more. Uh, you can cross state lines without a driver's license. This is America. But it has to do yes. with flying. And incidentally, you don't need your driver's license to fly. You can do it on a passport. Okay. Okay, so great. If, so I just if you wanted... Have, yeah, if, if you have a passport... Uh, you will be able to fly anytime. So you're fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, you're covered. Quick word, by the way, uh, for everybody out there in Radio Land. Can you give what an ass I am, Radio Land? But anyway, uh, for those of us in California who got the new ID, the real ID, it did not conform to what the feds wanted. It didn't conform to the rules of the new ID under federal law. And this has to do with flying, and that's that's it. And so the Department of Motor Vehicles in California screwed the pooch on this one because I went out and got myself a real license. It's called a real ID or the real driver's license, and it doesn't meet federal... Uh, it doesn't meet the federal requirements. So guess what I get to do? I get to apply again to go in and get a, uh, a real ID. Do you know how long the line is for the DMV? You can't get in. You can't go on the internet. They'll tell you we have no appointments. Now, you can walk into a DMV office and stand in line and stand in line for five hours. And I'm not exaggerating. You'll see these lines that go out the door and halfway down the block, everybody waiting to get their real ID. This is a crock. This is, well, that's Department of Motor Vehicles. Welcome to the state of California. But the point is, uh, if you don't get it, just take your passport and just do it a year from now, two years from now. And if you don't have a passport and you want to fly and you don't have a real ID, walk. Because you're not getting on an airplane. All right, Bill. Yes. Yes, Bill. What can I do for you? Yes, I uh, have a townhouse that I rent. Yes. And recently, about over a month ago, the tenant's father called and left a message saying that they noticed uh, water stains in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, and that... Uh, they think it was coming from, you know, the problems in the townhouse area. So I went over there to look, and I knew right away as soon as I saw it, the water stains were pretty bad. And the tenant had told me that he noticed them a couple weeks ago, 
but never told me. And now the I called the insurance company, and they won't cover it because they said it was an ongoing leak, and there's mold in there now. Oh, boy. So the tenant... The All right, who's at fault? Who do you think's you know, at fault on this one? The tenant for not advising me. No, no, the tenant is not fashion. responsible for not advising you. And if you're talking about a couple of weeks, and how do you know yeah. that uh, he didn't advise you and it was there for two weeks? Did he advise you two weeks before or he advised you when there was a leak and mold was already there? He advised me when there was a leak. Okay, and so he advised you. So what, what did you do about that? I called, I uh, tried to find out what the problem was and, and found a problem and shut the water off. Okay. Called the insurance company. Okay. So uh, where, uh, how is the tenant at fault? For not letting me know early enough to... Wait, wait, you, you said... Is, he, wait a sec. How do you know when he discovered the leak before he informed you? Did he tell you? Yeah, he told me he noticed it a couple weeks ago. Okay, and when did me. he inform you? He informed me... It was a month ago. But oh, wait a sec. If he noticed it a couple of uh, weeks ago, how did he notice it a month ago? I'm a little, I'm really confused here. No, no. He's he. This has been going on for a month now. Already, the insurance company's been out there and they're not fixing it. So this was a month ago, and his lease is up. So I told him he had to move out so I could get in there and work on the kitchen. But he, at that time, he told me when I first went over there to inspect the. The damage, he told me that he noticed the water two weeks before he ever called me. All right, so uh, so what's your question? So can I sue him? You or can try. Can I, his, I don't think you're going to go. I don't think you're going to go anyplace. But sure, can uh, I keep you can sue him. I mean, you're probably going to lose. And when there's a water leak, uh, what exactly caused the water leak? Do we? Do you know? Yeah, the dishwasher was dripping. Oh, okay. And you're saying that he noticed it prior to that and didn't inform you for a couple of weeks. Correct. Okay, so now you get to figure out uh, what's two weeks worth of damage. How can you figure out what happened in the two weeks versus uh, after you came in? I mean, can you ascertain the damage was X uh, before uh, you inform me between the time you say you discovered it and then you inform me a couple of weeks later? I can I can ascertain the damage because after he's informing you, he's no longer responsible. So right. do you get to ascertain, will a plumber tell you, there's the leak, two weeks ago it was over there, and the mold either started or was halfway through? I mean, you've got an issue going on. Uh, you can sue him, but it's too speculative. And the insurance company got a fight with the insurance company going on. It happens all the time, by the way. All the time with the insurance company. I think you're going to have to just suck it up. What about his, uh, his security deposit? Can I withhold that? You can try, Yeah. And then he's going to sue you. And then you're going to, it's better holding on to his money than him holding on to your money. So you hold on to the security deposit and you put specifically why you're holding on. And you have to do something more than you didn't inform me in time. I think you have to put some dates in there. I think you have to be very specific because a judge is going to do the same thing. When did you notice it? How much time and how much damage was it before he noticed it and he informed you? I want to know the damage. And you're not going to be able to answer that. So be really specific. Uh, every week, I tell you about another scam because there's so many out there. Here's the latest. The Social Security imposter scam. Uh, sc scammers use uh, technology to spoof your caller ID, and it looks like uh, the Social Security Administration is calling. And they warn you, oh, your number's been suspended. There's suspicious activity. It's been used in a crime. We need the information. Wrong. 
this is just one of the ways, and I could go on forever. Cyber criminals are out there grabbing your identity. That's what they do. And one of the ways, well, I think the way to protect your identity, my opinion, is with LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, uh, like your Social Security number being put up for sale in the dark web. And if there is a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix the problem. Now, no one can prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction at every business, but LifeLock is protection. Uh, it can see threats that you may, might probably will miss on your own. Get 10% off your first year. Use the promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or visit lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE, lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Marie. Hi, Marie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. My um, sister is the executor to my parents' living trust. No, she's a trustee of your parents' living trust. Okay, but she's the one who is supposed to disperse everything. Okay, she's the trustee. All right? Uh, Okay. And I'm on it as well. As a beneficiary, correct? Yes. Okay. I understand that she can draw a salary for the time that she puts into the uh, putting everything together. Uh, does it say that in the trust? I'm not 100% sure. I'm assuming it does because okay. she has told me she's keeping track of every penny and moment. Okay. I am doing just as much work, and it's very it's, it's a lot of physical work as well just to clean up the house. Why, why, are, you any- doing, why are you doing it? Because it has to be done. Yeah. Why don't you tell the sister you, there's money in the trust. Uh, you pay for it. That's what the money is for. Correct. However, it's a, you know, it, there's a lot of personal items we need to go through. We just don't want to hire it out. Then just take people. Just take the personal items out. Put them in a place and say to your sister, here you go. Let's okay. put them up. I mean, let's, here's what you're doing is you're giving your sister uh, the benefit of all this. She's pulling a salary or whatever the amount of fees she can have. Uh, you're not. She's obviously not going to pay you for it. And she's having you do the work. You don't have to do the work. You can say, hey, listen. Uh, and you let the house go fallow. You tell your sister, hey, if you're prepared to lose as much money as I'm going to lose, remember, you're, we're 50-50 here, assuming that it's 50-50. And mm-hmm. just say, uh, listen. If you want to lose $20,000 worth of value, you know, that's fine. That's only going to cost uh, me and you $20,000. Isn't that worth it? I play chicken with her. So there is no way I can get reimbursed for any of my expenditures? If it's not in the trust, it's going to be up to your sister. Okay. How much money have you Next- How much money have you spent? Probably about 1000 Okay. So and how many hours have you put into it already? Oh, let me see. Um, Take a wild guess. Oh, 50. Okay. So you're looking at, say, $1,000 out of pocket. And let's say you give yourself $25 an hour for the work that you're doing, cleaning up, going through, that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's another, what, 750 bucks? Do I have that right? Uh, right. And there, yeah, you're under $2,000. And, uh, and you could sue the estate, theoretically, for the money. But just tell your sister, hey, what are you doing? Uh, you, you, I, I think you're doing a lot of this ag- out of ignorance that you have a lot more power than you actually have. All right. What's your other, okay. que- what's your other question? If she, okay. My opinion is I want the house sold okay. as is. 
and she wants to make it last for years. She, she, um, it depends, again, on <clears throat> what the trust says. If well, she, the trust says we have to agree. Okay, then if you don't agree, the house stays the way it is. But, but then she continues to draw for All right, then what you for, do, okay, for got it. Then what you do is she's now screwing you as a beneficiary. And what she's doing is not selling for the purpose of screwing you over. Now we're okay. talking about a lawsuit. You get to go to a trust and estate attorney to start going uh, after her on this. And two things, you're going to pay the money. Uh, you're going to hopefully get it back when you make a claim against the trust and her, hopefully just against her, because if you're making a claim against a trust and assuming you guys split the trust, you're paying for half of the attorney that you're fighting uh, that you're fighting against. And it's up to you at this point to call a trust and estate lawyer just to get some information because that's not what I do. So go to the website, go to handleonthelaw.com and talk to one of our uh, trust and estate lawyers. Thank you so much. You got it. That's a little complicated. Don't you love it when uh, family members, this is the sibling issue always. See, my, uh, it's very easy with uh, my brother. He wants nothing to do with anything. He just goes, you handle it, Bill. But, but, but let me explain. No, I'm not interested. You handle it. All right. That's easy. Uh, like Juan. Hello, sir. Yes. What can I do for you? I've called you quite a few times and, um, I also got disconnected a few times. I have a problem with, uh, trying to get judicial misconduct on a couple of judges. Yeah, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Even when they do, do miss, uh, when they, there is misconduct, it's still hard to do. So what do the judges do to you? One of them is Kavanaugh. I mean, the, the, me Supreme, the Supreme Court Justice. Yes. Oh, what did he do? When, when was he on a case? I uh, was uh, a security duty, and he was doing, um, as per request, I heard it. And wait, wait, as per the, request, he was. what was he doing? He was affirming the hundreds of people who have watched me and my family. How was he, af- how was he affirming that? Where? Af- affirming the suspicious activities, behaviors of me. Okay, how did, how, did, how did Supreme Court Justice do that? How did he affirm? He, he had my file. Robert Mueller had my file. He uh-huh. had my file to other people. And uh, somehow Kavanaugh got into the mix. Uh-huh. As, and so uh, the hundred people... Uh, somehow affirming the misconduct. I'm a little confused here. So what is it that you were doing that you think that Kavanaugh and Robert Mueller were involved in? How how did how, how were they uh, guilty of misconduct? What did they do? Uh, I think it was in regards to a that at that time a president that my accusations could cause impeachment. Aha! Yeah, well, yeah, that'll do it. That's when a Supreme Court justice jumps in, yeah. And what is it, uh, which particular president, by the way, do you have any in mind? Clinton. Clinton. And what is it, and, uh, what is it that Clinton did that Kavanaugh and Mueller somehow uh, backed up or affirmed uh, that, that he was right, because I'm assuming that Clinton was doing something horrible to you, correct? Um... A lot of bad things happened to me mm. because they were trying to protect a lot of guilty people. Yeah, no, I get that. And what, uh, and I when you say a lot of Las bad Vegas. things, like Juan, what, like what? I got set up in Las Vegas, Mr. Handel. Yes, you got set up. Uh, and t- explain I that to told me. one person. Yeah, ex- what, what do you mean uh, set up? Explain that to me. I realized I was set up, and I told one person. Okay, but set up to do what? You would, uh, everything that you've heard... On headlines on the news, almost everything, 
I've had, uh, I was put in front of these bad people. Right. So you're talking about uh, the resolu- uh, the revolution in Venezuela, what's happening in no, Yemen. No, almost everything. Um, I was put in front of Charles Manson mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Martin. This was on purpose. Yeah, he before, totally, ra- by the way, Laquan and Charles Manson, before or after he died? This is before, of course. Well, okay. Uh, it helps. Sir, um, let me say real fast. Yeah, you're going to have to because we're going to... Fireman Herdman told me I could grieve it. Um, uh, G. Haspel was my dad's nurse. Uh, hospital staff is yeah, have a yeah, yeah. All right. gag order. All right, Laquan, I'd love to spend more time with you on this uh, because obviously you have some very legitimate complaints uh, and the system has really put you in, in, in a very bad way. Not only President Clinton, uh, but also Robert Mueller and certainly Judge Kavanaugh. And uh, I feel very, very bad for you. And I'll see what I can do for you. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Greg. Yes, ma'am. Welcome to, or yes, sir. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Handle. So 20 years ago, uh, my wife was convicted of a felony for embezzlement. Mm. 14 years, uh, within 14 years ago, she applied for uh, to have it expunged, and it was expunged from her record. All right. She applied for a job with a city entity, dog catcher, and she was and she placed number one on the test. And they offered her, offered her the job and gave her an offer letter. Some time went by. They asked her to jump through different hoops. And she did so, providing more information and documenting that it was expunged and, and whatnot. And they denied her the job. All right. This was after they offered her the job, and it was after they discovered that that she had a felony on her record. Correct. Okay, got it. So she, but she had told him there was, she had told him in the application or during an interview that she had, a, that she had a felony expunged? Yes. All right. Well, okay. And then they uh, retracted the letter, uh, the offer. And why did they retract the offer? Do you know? They gave her some excuse. I don't recall the excuse, but it wasn't valid because she provided documentation. Yeah, right. So what's... uh, All right. So what's your question? So my question is, can we... She wants the job. Yeah. Can you... Yeah, I think you can. I think you can force the issue because, uh, first of all, they had the information... Uh, right there. She was totally transparent. They made the offer, and if they came up with some crackpot reason that makes no sense whatsoever, I think you can force the issue where they have to hire her. Uh, I do believe that that's the case. Now, uh, you're with a city that's a little different. It was a private organization. Then your her life is going to be made miserable. But yes, I think it's time to contact an employment discrimination attorney just to see how you do it procedurally because I don't know how to do it. So go to the website, go to handleonthelaw.com and just ask. You want an employment discrimination attorney. It's harder, of course, to claim discrimination uh, if you're not if you're not working there. But under these circumstances, I think you have a shot here uh, because that is uh, what saved her butt was total transparency as opposed to not saying it. Oh, by the way, there's nothing particularly wrong with not saying it. The argument that if it's expunged, it's off the record. So have you ever been convicted of a felony? Well, 
uh, it was expunged. And therefore, my understanding was that I don't have to put it on a an application. So you're not going to get nailed for lying, uh, even though technically you are. Have you ever been convicted? Well, the answer is yes, but it was expunged. So uh, technically, that's a lie. However, I think there's enough there to say it's not because my understanding was as opposed to an out-and-out lie. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's legit. Gustavo. Hello, Gustavo. Yes, uh, Bill, I have a question about uh, child custody. Child custody? Okay. Yeah. My daughter, she's 14 years old now. And uh, for the past seven years, um, I've been sending her to her mom to uh, Texas. We have an agreement in court. That says uh, I have to send her uh, over there for the vacation. Uh, All right. So you, ha- so you have primary custody, right, Gustavo? Yes. Okay, yes, and then she has to go to Texas to be with her mom. Okay, that's typical. All right, and I'm assuming you have upheld all the terms, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, now, now what? Uh, now that she's 14, I don't know. Uh, my question is, um, I'm planning, and, and she doesn't want to go uh, to her mom for this uh, coming summer vacation. And she, I just mean she, doesn't, sure I she doesn't want to go with her mother to the vacation, correct? Yes. Okay, so she is at 14, say, I'm done going to my mother's. Okay. Is that, is, do I have that right? Yes. Okay, fair enough. So she at 14 doesn't want to go to her mother during the normal visitation. Fair enough. All right, Gustavo, what's your question? My question is, uh, am I getting in trouble for not sending her this? Uh, uh, it depends. Uh, it depends. Gustavo, uh, the cleanest way of doing it is to change the court order. Go back into court. Have your daughter testify that she doesn't want to go visit mom for whatever reason, and the judge will ask her uh, a question and may even appoint a guardian ad litem, uh, which is a little bit more complicated. But uh, the judge will look at her, and assuming that she's just not pissed off at mom, you know, for whatever reason, because that happens too, they'll change the court order. The other possibility, which is a little bit cleaner or less clean, is to contact the mom and just say, "Hey, our daughter wasn't is not doesn't want to go to Texas. What do we want? What do we do about that? Have you tried that yet? Yeah, already. Yeah, already did that. Um, uh, by a text, I sent. It, I told her, you know, this is what happening. My daughter is not. All right. What is what does her mom say? She doesn't even answer my. Okay. And so, all right, all right. Then you have to. Then you have to go to court because what she can do, what the mother can do, is haul you into court for violating the court order regarding visitation. Now, would she do yeah, that? Would she spend? Uh, would she spend the money on a lawyer? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, no. We we barely cope with uh, with her mom. I know, but uh, do you know you do you know her well enough to know if she's going to spend the money with her lawyer? I don't think so. All right, so that's one. So. If a daughter calls up and says, I don't want to go to Texas to be with you, would that convince her to allow her to just stay with you? Phil, uh, the, the problem is that um, she's not communicating with uh, with her daughter. Okay, she well, then then, that, then you may have to go in. Then you have two, then you have two ways of doing it. Uh, is uh, simply not sending her over there and see what she does, and then she and then mom may start communicating with you, and then she gets mm-hmm. on the phone with the daughter and says, "I want nothing to do with it." And then you go, "You have two choices here: I go to court, or you simply drop it." And she stays here. Okay. Either way, I'm going to win. And okay, so that's I- what I would do: uh- is just make that phone call, have the daughter make that phone call, put it in an email, 
And uh, I think the only way that mom is going to prevail, which she's not anyway, is to haul, go into court and argue you're in violation. This is Handle on the Law.